Hey, my friends, welcome to Real Live Talk, and thanks so much for uh, tuning into this episode. It really means the world to me that you're here, and I'm extremely, uh, extremely pumped to introduce today's guest to you. Joining me today is Trevor Tyson. Trevor is a longtime mental health advocate and the founder and president of Transparent Media Company, which is a creative and digital marketing company helping people and brands uh, bring their vision and mission to life uh, with everything from branding development to merch design, creative consulting, and more. He also hosts the popular Trevor Talks podcast, and uh, it's just a privilege and an honor. We've been uh, trying to put this together for a little while now, and it's just a real honor to have Trevor on the show. So uh, please join me in welcoming to the podcast for the first time, Trevor Tyson. And uh, Trevor, hopefully... All of our video and everything still looks good on your end. It's looking good on my end so far. And it's really just a blessing and honor to be talking to you today, my friend. So thank you for being here. Dude, of course. Thank you for having me. And the video and audio are pristine. So hopefully it stays that way, right? <laughs> it's a good word, pristine. I like that. It's pristine. I like that. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. So how are you doing today, man? First of all. Doing great. I'm excited to be here. Got to whip out the red whosoever's beanie, uh, which means it's going to be a good day. So I'm excited. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. I think that was a that was a good choice. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, So where first of all, where are you from originally? Where did you grow up? So I grew up in a tiny town called Social Circle, Georgia, in the middle of nowhere. Um, the city, they call it a city, but it's like one of those small towns with one stoplight. I don't get it. Like when people think of city, they're like, Oh, Atlanta or a Boston, something like that. Nah, it, we've got like a, uh, well in the middle of our like main street and social circle in front of the one stoplight. So, uh, yeah, one stoplight city, as they call it, I call it a (laughs) tiny town, but you know, when they named it social circle, was that just like wishful thinking? Probably like. Like we're really small, but one day it's going to be happening. I like to think they're like, you know what? One day there's going to be a Trevor Talks here and it's going to be pretty social. But you know what? No. Um, (laughs) Their dream came true. The dream came true. From what I've heard, it was like back in the 1800s or something like people would come together and have a social circle or something like that. And they just kept it. So here we are in uh, 2022 and still growing and thriving, I guess. The big talk of the town right now is opposing a Rivian plant, which is like a electric automotive uh, vehicle manufacturing company. They're like, we don't want Rivian here. And I'm like, I mean, if they give me a free car, like I'll take it. Like, I don't care. Come on. <laughs> so you're still you're still there today. I am. And I love it here. The cost of living is uh, very well compared to most places. Cough, cough, California, Texas, Nashville. Um, mm. so buying a house and everything is a lot cheaper here. So I plan on staying for quite yeah, a while. <laughs> uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. Do you have some kind of a connection to Alabama or no? I do not I like have I a connection to Alabama except for the okay. movie, uh, sweet home Alabama is really cool. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, I'm in Alabama and I, I don't know why, but I thought I thought I read somewhere, heard something about you in Alabama. So that must. Oh, been- yeah, I know exactly what it is. I had my first panic attack that I could recall in Birmingham, Alabama at Church of the Highlands. OK. Chris oh, Church. at Church of the Highlands. OK. Yeah. Yeah. So your yeah. first panic attack. Um, yeah was in alabama wow most people are when they say church of the highlands are like oh i found jesus there and i'm like yeah i tried to throw up in some bushes at an event there one time (laughs) like 2015 or 2016 like i would love to go back and have a positive experience and it's not that they did anything wrong it was like i was having a panic attack and i'm just trying to like not have a panic attack i didn't know what it was so Um, yeah birmingham alabama that was the first spot and my main attraction there was like man we're so close to tuscaloosa they had a killer tornado a few years ago Mm. Yeah, they sure did. Oh man, you had a you had you had a panic attack in Alabama first time, and you probably didn't know what was happening, right? Like you didn't you didn't know what was going on. What yeah. did you think was happening, or like how did you kind of deal with that? Well, I felt really nauseous, so I thought I just needed to like get sick or something. And looking back, I'm like, I know that I was super stressed that day because I was supposed to speak at Shorter University the next day. And like, okay. I didn't want to because I was anxious and I didn't realize I was anxious about it. 
So I'm having panic attacks and I know that I didn't eat that day. So that was a factor in it as well. So I just felt like I needed to get sick, but I couldn't. And now I know it's a panic attack and there was no real way to calm it in that position because I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know that I was experiencing anxiety. I didn't know that it was going to go away. Um, I didn't know anything about it. So I'm just there doing what uh, 16, 17 year old Trevor knew how to do best. And that's uh, try to get sick in that moment, which didn't work. Wow. And just had to <clears throat> suffer through that one. Uh, and later on, I learned how to maintain those. But it's, uh, yeah. it's a growing process for sure. It took years. That's so crazy, man. Can I um, can I talk to you about something that I don't think I've ever, <laughs> I don't think I've ever publicly spoken, um, about it. Um, I had, a f I've had a few panic attacks in my life. They all happened in the same season. I'm assuming that's what they were. Anxiety attack, panic attack, something, you know, I don't know if those are the same thing or they're, or they're different or not, but yeah, I, um, a little different, but in the same realm. Okay. Yeah. So I never had anything, you know, diagnosed or anything like that, but, um, it was at the beginning of my ministry. My wife and I were on the mission field in Mexico and it was just kind of a tumultuous time. Like my uh, my father had just passed away uh, that year um, and we were like this newly married couple having financial struggles. And we were on the mission field and I was outside of my elements, you know, just outside of my culture and just all, everything was new, trying to figure out how to speak a language that I didn't know too well. And it's just like a lot of stuff. And man, I remember uh, being in a church service and just having like standing there during worship with youth, like with a bunch of kids that we were like, you know, leading in like this youth ministry. And I just remember standing there trying to worship and just this incredibly kind of like heavy feeling of, you know, it felt like a panic. It just felt, it felt extremely anxious, almost like I was having a heart attack. I didn't think I was having a heart attack because I was, you know, I'd never, had any heart issues and i was like how old was i like 22 23 um and <clears throat> i didn't really think it was that but it was scary and and i just bring that up to say and it happened maybe um maybe two or maybe two or three times after that um all within a period of a month or so where i was just dealing with incredible pressure that i didn't for me it was incredible pressure and i didn't know what to do with it I didn't know how to deal with it and that, you know, led into some other things and um, and and whatever. But it was just like this thing. I just resonated with what you said there a second ago about I don't know how long this is going to last, if it's going to stop, if it's going to go away. And it just it felt like something that I feel like that even right there can just cause you to have more feeling of panic and more anxious feelings because you're like, what is going to happen to me? Is this ever going to stop? And so, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever really opened up about that publicly. Like, obviously, my wife <laughs> knew about it and uh, stuff like that. It, it was a, it was a crazy thing, man, um, that that period of time. And it ended up it culminated with me like not sleeping for like three nights in a row and just spending hours just on my face crying out to God because I had no idea what to do. And eventually that whatever that was, that just intense feeling that I was carrying eventually it, it broke off of me and um I haven't I've I've you know I've had anxious yeah. thoughts and worry and stuff like that but never again to that uh to that extent and so it was kind of a supernatural experience that that um God br brought freedom into my life there but anyway I, I don't know I just wanted to to mention that because I kind of resonated with what you were saying yeah. there and it's a big thing for a ministry leader, someone in the ministry field in general to open up about anxiety and panic because everybody that's not a Christian or doesn't really understand what's going on are like, you just need to trust God more and this and that. And mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times you need Jesus and therapy or Jesus and medication. And mm. I had a pastor on, and this episode hasn't released yet, um, Pastor Louis Giglio went through a lot of like anxiety and panic during a wow. season of his life and he was on a massive scale like a global renowned pastor and struggling yeah. with that behind closed doors and had to take months off mm. and had to go through the motions to figure out like okay this is going on with me and it's like 
when you're in that position and you're in ministry, you don't know how people are going to respond. You have this weight on your shoulders of people that are expecting you to have it all together, but you don't. And it's actually a toxic thing to think like if you put your pastor or a ministry leader on the same category as you would put Jesus, like that's very unhealthy for the person that you're putting that pressure on and yourself because you're viewing them as some sort of Messiah when they're not, they're there to carry a message and they're there to encourage you and help disciple you through some of these things. But like, anxiety, panic, depression, mental health. These are things that people struggle with on earth. And we have to figure out like how it's going to work for us. There's no blueprint to figure out like a one size fits all for everyone. What worked for me may not work for you, Duke. What worked for you may not work for some of your listeners. It all depends like, hey, I'm struggling with this. I need to get help for this. Where do I start? And a lot of people struggle to get to that starting point. And when they can't get to that starting point, they can't start to recover and heal and help other people through that. So it's encouraging wow. that you bring that up as a ministry leader, someone who's actively doing it, because it needs to be talked about a lot. Bro, that was so beautifully articulated, everything you just said, because the main thing going through my mind when that happened, and again, I was a 22 or 23-year-old kid, beginning of my ministry, but I had all these ministry leaders and people that I was looking up to. And, you know, you're, when you're when you're young like that, I mean, I felt like I had something to prove. You know what I mean? I felt like I I had to, like, show myself to kind of like the, pa- the other pastors and those that have been in ministry for a while. Like I had to measure up to some kind of a standard kind of a thing. And, bro, just walking around with that, I felt so ashamed of what I which just made it so much worse. I felt so ashamed. I felt like, how can I be a minister? How can I call myself a minister if I'm dealing with this? And it was such a lie in my head. But I think what it does is it I think that speaks to the stigma that's kind of attached to mental health stuff in general, but more so in the in the church, like in the body of Christ, how I think so so often there's such a negative uh, feeling negative stigma attached to it. I feel like there's extremes where people say like, oh, you that's just the devil. You just got to cast the devil out. And there's like ex- other extremes where people want to just kind of sweep it under the rug and act like it's not really happening or whatever. And man, I just remember carrying that feeling like I was, bro, I'll tell you, one of the most ashamed I, moments of my life when all that was going on, um, I opened up to my wife about it and uh, we ended up talking to, uh, my wife's uh, parents. So um, my wife is is Mexican. She's from Mexico. And so I was a I was a missionary uh, on the mission field. But it was funny because we were actually I met my wife in America, but then we went to Mexico to minister yeah. and uh, we were on in her on her turf. And so her parents took me to see a doctor and we went to the doctor and I told him, you know, what I was feeling, what was going on. He He prescribed me or it's a little bit different in Mexico how medicine works, but he gave me uh, antidepressants. And, and that right there made me feel just so like, it made me feel so low. Like it just made me feel like, how can I be a Christian? How can I be not just a Christian, but how can I be a minister? Someone who's, you know, aspiring to lead people in ministry and they're giving me antidepressants. Long story short, I took one and it made me feel so bad that I just decided not to take them anymore. (laughs) And that's kind of when I got into that point where I just started crying out to God and I was in this place. But, bro, there was just such a lie in my head that that made me less of a person, less of a Christian, less of a minister, that it disqualified me from being able to lead others to Jesus or lead others in the church or whatever. And, uh, yeah, man, like how... Uh, I know that you live in this world and you talk to all kinds of ministers and, and, and all this kind of stuff. I mean, is that something that you feel like comes up a lot with people in ministry and, and stuff like that of just kind of, you know, maybe they're struggling with something and it just makes them feel like they're maybe disqualified or just dealing with those thoughts of shame. Sure. And a lot of people do struggle with that. And the one question I like to bring up and I'll ask you directly, like when you get a headache, do you take an ibuprofen or an Advil, right? You're right, yeah. For a ton yeah. of people, is yes. no problem it's with like, that. Right? Okay, so yeah. you're struggling with depression, anxiety, in like an uncontrollable manner. Do you want to like? God can heal. Like, not saying he can't. Sometimes he uses sure. medicine to do it, though. 
And for me, like I remember for probably three years of after Birmingham, I wouldn't like admit that I had an issue or anything. Mm. When I went to therapy and went to a psychiatrist and got on like an antidepressant for like panic disorder, it's not like the worry side of it uh, that comes from anxiety. It's like, I'll just have random panic attacks. I've been in mm. uh, Ruth Chris Steakhouse in downtown Atlanta meeting friends who were newly engaged for a meal and having an uncontrollable panic leave. Like I had mm. to leave the restaurant and it's uncontrollable. Like I'll go to the bathroom. I'll try to puke. Like that seems to be a reoccurring thing for me. Is like, I just got to go puke. But like, <laughs> just puke that's one off. of those things in my head. But yes, that was like uh, one of those moments where I'm like, okay, this is getting out of hand. Like it's yeah, starting man. to take yeah. over my life essentially. And working for AT&T for a few years, which was great. It put me in an excellent position to like when I did jump back into like um, doing the whole public speaking thing and essentially starting podcasts and touring, like I already own my house. As you know, like when you're in this field, like being a business leader, like you have to have all these different um, like income statements and stuff to purchase a home and all these things. Yeah. I wouldn't have been able to do that in a ministry <clears throat> standpoint. So like, there was blessing that came out of that um, tenure with the company, but like it wasn't for me. And I know for a fact, like God had called me to do something else, but I was like just finding satisfaction and all the wrong things of like, okay, mm. you own a house, you're doing this, you're doing that. You look successful on the outside. You're the number one sales rep in the, um, this part of the U S they fly you to Cancun, treat you like a King, all this stuff, like trophies fool's gold essentially hmm. and it wasn't wow. until like i broke free from that and was just like i can't do this anymore took a leap of faith ended up working and doing ministry like trying to get back out there and it was a very hard time for me because i had to address a lot of the trauma that i had gone through in my life and i'm still addressing it people in my like close circle um, not that they would, but if they were asked like on the stand, like, yeah, Trevor's a broken dude, man. Like he still struggles with his stuff. Like he's not perfect. There are skeletons in the closet and it's like, dang, like how can God use somebody like that? That's struggling mm. with anxiety and depression and continues to fall into it and just fights and battles through it. Like he must not be trusting God enough, but that simply isn't the case. Like a lot of people are born with a lot of different things. Some people are born with a taste for lust, like whether it's um, sexually or financially, whatever it is. And you keep chasing that, chasing that and you stumble and you have to get back up and start looking vertically again. It's like, don't quit trying. Don't quit mm. running the race. Get back up, get back <clears throat> on the horse and go again. And man, like just to circle back on the medicine part of it, like some people really need it. And that's the balance that they have to be able to pursue their callings in life. And there's a lot of different theological perspectives on it. And like I said earlier, like God can heal you, but if he doesn't, like he might use this to heal you and there's nothing wrong with that. So like mm -hmm. people that are listening that yeah. are actively on antidepressants, like that's something I have to take like actively. Don't be ashamed. Um, it's not a badge of yeah. honor. It's not a yeah. uh, one size fits all. There is trauma in your life that you might need to work through and maybe you'll get off of them one day. But if you don't like there's a mercy me song called even if, and it's like, I know you're able and I know you can to save through the fire with your mighty hand. But even if you don't, my hope is in you alone. That just rings true to me to this day. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm gonna get back up. I'm gonna keep fighting. I'm actively fighting. Like here in my red beanie, the little Trevi talky thing up there. Like I'm still a broken <laughs> human. Um, I just choose to get back up and fight. And that's simply it. Like that's a part of the battle. And that's something that's worked heavily for me. It's not for everybody, but from my personal chair, like perspective, it definitely mm -hmm. is. Yeah, man. No, it's so beautiful. And, and, and again, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that, um, I feel like the devil will just use anything to, to lie, to manipulate, to try to, you know, cheat you out of the destiny and the calling and the assignment that God has placed on your life, whether that's for ministry business to, you know, what, whatever it is, but he'll just, he'll just use anything that he can to try to get you to feel like you're you're less than or to feel like you you don't qualify 
And the reality is, is that none of us qualify because of anything that we've done. We all we qualify because of what Jesus did for us. And so for me to stand here and to, you know, to think um, that, yeah, like for whatever reason now, I, yeah, you know, I have some kind of an issue or, you know, something that I'm dealing with in my life and, and I'm just I'm I'm imperfect, you know, like for, for me to. It's just so easy to buy into that lie that says that it's it's it knocks me out or that it's over or that I couldn't you know, I couldn't measure up because at the end of the day, like, again, none of us measure up. It's it's all because of what what he's done because of his grace. And and I think that, you know, as you said, there are those who God just supernaturally heals in a moment. Right. And there's those that God heals through a process of time. Um, and I, I think that just either way, like it's all by the grace of God. Right. So yeah. if that healing comes so quickly, um, I mean, there's people that get healed of things. I've seen people heal the things. They're not even asking for it. <laughs> it just, <laughs> they're just in the room. They're just in a worship service or they're just whatever. And it just happens. And it's like, Oh God, you're so good. But we cannot diminish the goodness of God, the grace of God that happens along the journey for somebody who, um, is going through a process of recovery or a process of walking out healing in their life, mm. you know? And it's such a powerful thing for someone to sit there. And like, I remember when my brain started to feel healed and my mind started to feel clear, mm. there was nothing like it. Like, and it wasn't for say the medicine, it was breaking free of trauma and actively working towards setting goals for myself and i'm not the most active person in the world like i'll go to the gym and i'll go through spurts where i'm there every day but for the most part like i'm not the most active person on the planet but that goes for say like with uh my faith journey like i'm not i'm no theologian uh by any means i believe in god i uh, believe that jesus is the son of god and like what he did on the cross like saved us all from our sin right if you accept him mm -hmm. I am so encouraged by like, even what you just said, like what he's done for us. It reminds me of a lyric from a song that was on the passion record this year with uh, Tasha Cobbs, Christian Stanfield and Anna Gold. Mm. It's like what he's done, what he's done, all the yeah, glory man. and the honor to the <clears throat> sun. And worship is so powerful. It's not, a genre of music there is uh i consider august burns red flyleaf all these heavy rock <laughs> christian on. based like even non-christian based music like worship is it comes in all different shapes or uh sizes etc like mm -hmm. one thing that john cooper from skillet recently was quoted saying is like even if a song claims to be like demonic you can't steal music from god it's a reflection of mm -hmm. worship so it could be yeah. the most like demon summoning thing on the planet this is a hot take but like <laughs> it in some way shape or form the beauty in the creation reflects back to god and man worship as a lifestyle worship as not a music genre like what does it look like for you it's going to look like something completely mm. different for me maybe to some yeah. certain degree and this will get a lot of um positive feedback from some uh <laughs> hypo conservatives for sure get ready for what the if, letters like yeah. get ready for the letters bro what if like being on an antidepressant and like chasing jesus and going to therapy is a form of worship like the lifestyle that you're living is chasing purity chasing holiness chasing to be more like jesus every day what mm -hmm. if that block or that mountain in your way is that anxiety and that depression that you're going through mm. and that mountain that you're getting over is the ego in your head telling you that no like you don't need to be on that just a thought and yeah. i would encourage people that are struggling like don't take my advice just think about it like Think about what you're going through in your life and you make that decision for yourself. Uh, consult with psychiatrist, therapist, youth pastor, pastor, close friend that you can trust, parent, um, mentor. Work it out for yourself. Um, and just know from my chair, like some encouragement would be don't allow these things to hold you back. Because yeah. I've done that for years and <clears throat> it's not healthy. And I would just want to encourage people like don't let that mountain like intimidate you 
start climbing that sucker don't climb it alone yeah yeah man do you know the band advent i do not but it sounds amazing they're a, yeah, they're a Christian, uh, man, they're going to, someone's going to get mad at me for just calling them a metal band. Cause it's, but they're, um, the I love metal music, the, the drummer, <laughs> the drummer and the guy who does the screaming vocals for, um, the band beloved. Um, okay. it's, it's, uh, his band. Um, That's and awesome. so he's like, he's like the front man in, in Advent, uh, Joe Mustin and, uh, Joe, Joe's, Joe's, a, Joe's become a friend of mine, um, That's through awesome. the podcast and stuff like that. And so he, but he was saying that they have, they have this, uh, this song called revival. And if you listen to Advent, check out Advent. They're like, it's scary music. Like Dude, it's, love it. it's heavy. And some of the vocals are just like unrelenting. Like it almost sounds like, uh, I mean, they're screaming vocals, but it almost sounds like a rap sometimes because of sure. how just heavy and, and just quick and all that it is. And, it's 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 good but um but yeah like I, I i call it scary music but uh this song i mean when he was when he was on he talked about it and i mean he calls it a he calls it a worship song and he talked about experiences where you know they'd be in these hardcore shows with all these kids and they would purposely tour with bands that were not christian because they wanted to be in those kind of they wanted to be in those atmospheres and they wanted to be able to be a light in the darkness and all that kind of stuff and even for the after math of one of getting to spend time with dudes who were actively you know satanists and stuff like that and just kind of wanting to insert themselves in that world and just talk to people and be real and be human and be a light and then when you have those opportunities because somebody's struggling to open up about what jesus has done for them and all that kind of stuff but anyway kind of like in the midst of an atmosphere like that this is, this is what i'm getting at based on what you just said in an atmosphere like that where you would say oh it's an atmosphere of darkness it's an atmosphere of this or that and people are you know it's like kids going crazy in a mosh pit and whatever but he would talk about moments where they would have these songs that for them they're professing and declaring the name of jesus and they would experience god's presence come into the midst of them even in the midst of that dark environment where they were and so all that to say you know to your point so often I think we compartmentalize our lives to say my spiritual life, the spiritual part of my life is when I'm reading my Bible and praying and going to church and talking to God and talking about Jesus and stuff like that. But also like the it's the journey through my life that worship is an ongoing thing. It's not just the songs that I sing, but it's the expression of my heart and my affection toward God, even walking in obedience and responding to him and all of that. And so, yeah, just kind of carrying that that mindset and that attitude of being a worshiper throughout life and not compartmentalizing it to things that I do on certain days of the week, but all of my life um, can be an expression of worship to him if I keep him at the center of it. Yeah. And like when it comes to secular music and like Christian bands touring with secular bands, like that's an amazing thing to do. But like even circling back to what I said about like the Satanist music, like you have to guard your heart. You have to guide your, guard your ears. Sure. You have to guard your eyes from what you're letting in. But you have to be so careful. Like if you are not prepared and you're not staying like and this is something that I've gone through as well. Um, when you get in those scenarios, when you're around people that don't believe the same way as you, it's easy to get influenced. So like if you're uh, new in your walk or maybe you're super old in your walk like uh, for the longest time uh or for as long as i can remember i've been walking with jesus i was raised in church and such but it never became like really real for me up into like uh, my early teens and then like i went through a season of like uh trying to walk off from it and then going back like mm. you have to be so careful because you'll start to hear ideologies and things that don't align with your faith but you hear it so much and you see the compassion in their eyes and they mean well but they're not like hmm advocating for the right things and you'll start to believe those and you have to catch yourself and then you go to a mentor and you're like well here's what i believe and they're like why do you believe that and it's like well so and so like and this and that and here in your mm, passion it's like yeah. well you're getting like misguided so like guard your ears guard your eyes like it's hard like it's so hard out there and it says to be yeah. like in the world but not of the world it's easier said than done um but you have to keep pursuing. You have to let people hold you accountable. That's something I'm still learning to this day. So like, I'm, I'm not sitting here claiming to be the most perfect person on the planet. Um, at the end of the day, like I do run a media agency. We do work with a lot of bands. We do um, a lot of events. Like it's hard and it's something you actively have to walk through. 
And for me being 25, like I haven't been there and done that on a lot of things. So I'm still young and not justifying anything, but like, sure. You grow as you uh, live and you learn. And I just want to encourage people. Like it doesn't matter how old you are. Like I remember being in high school and hearing about reset movement, which was this awesome movement, just Mm. encouraging people to have a reset for Jesus. I heard about Mm -hmm. it at winter jam and I like went back to my school and started something called a reset SC, which was for social circle and just took it and ran with it. And I want to see kids do that. But when you have like some influence in your school, like you're also influencing other people and they're watching you. So make sure like if you want to walk like for Jesus in the public eye, like no, you don't have to be perfect, but actively pursue like holiness, actively pursue what God has for your life. Check yourself stay in the word, like stay in prayer. And like, again, just to be super vulnerable, like that's still something like I'm learning to do, like to stay active Mm -hmm. in um, everything. Like it's a growing journey. Don't give yourself unrealistic expectations. Don't beat yourself up. Just continue to get up and walk and um, have people around you that are going to hold you accountable. Yeah, man, that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, well, let's, um, let's do this. Let's, uh, back up just a little bit and then we'll kind of, um, catch up to where we are and then, and then, uh, maybe I'll have a couple more questions in the time that we have. But, um, so you, when did you kind of, you, you started saying that kind of in your early teen years is when you started to get serious for God. Did you grow up in a Christian home or how did you meet the Lord? I did grow up in a Christian home. I would say around, uh, 12 or 13, Um, we joined this church in town called the Avenue and I fell in love with like the band was contemporary. I wasn't used to that. Um, like actively seeing like there was a drummer and guitar players and it was Mm. like a rock show. And I was like super into skillet at the time. So I'm like, let's go, let's do this. (laughs) I'm going to church and actively started serving. And, um, the pastor would pick me up on Sundays and take me to church, um, to like help do that's awesome. Like pro presenter so i would be in charge of like the lyrics and things making sure everything Mm -hmm. gets set um the videos are in the right spot for the role like um the run of service etc and for years that was my safe haven you know and i really got serious about my faith when i got into that like i was in it through middle school but when i hit high school was really when i was like okay like god wants me to use my voice i was at a super wow event and uh Fort Myers, Florida, I think, or Fort Walton, something like that. I don't know. But um, Passion Band was playing with Christian Stanfield, which is crazy um, because he was on the show this year. And uh, they were singing uh, or leading the song Always. And I felt God like laid on my heart that I was going to be in ministry for the rest of my life. Mm. And from that point forward, it was like, man, like, this is your life. You got to start making some changes. Like when it came to, um, doing pornography and just mm. trying to fit in in high school. Yeah. Know? Yeah. That was when I really started to change and like it was an active change, like an outward expression of the way I was living my life and, and taking things. And then from that point forward, like up until I got into my, uh, I believe it was uh, junior or senior year when I started experiencing panic and such, that's when I really started to slip in my faith, but then like actively pursuing it, if that makes sense. So there were trials and tribulations along the way. Um, I rededicated my life to Christ in high school at, um, church and got like rebaptized, not saying you need to do that, but like, that was something that I personally wanted to do for myself. And, um, whenever I go through like seasons of life where I'm really struggling and I get through it or make that declaration that I'm going to get out of it. I'll get some ink, you know, what we all do these days. So it's, it's a process. So the more um, tattoos you see on my arm, the more stories there are. And uh, (laughs) I'll probably be sleeved up by the time I'm 30, but you know what? Now, you know, like, it's not like, Oh, he's been going through some sin or some hard stuff. It's like, no, like something really meant a lot to me and I want to symbolize it and I want to remember it. Um, like the next tattoo I'm planning on getting my friend, Josh sent me this, um, I believe it's a Greek Orthodox prayer and it's just, or Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me. And I want to get that tattooed on my right wrist, uh, just as like, mm. uh, like whenever I'm about to, um, sign a contract or any, or anything, a check, whatever yeah. it is, like, it'll be right there for like me to remember, like, 
is this glorifying God. And yeah. it's not like a, Oh, look at me. I've got the Jesus prayer right here for forgiveness to remember <laughs> it. It's like, no, that's for me. Like I didn't ask yeah, yeah, what yeah. you thought about it. Yeah. Um, and I love going to tattoo parlors and they're being uh, like a non-believer. And they're like, why are you getting this tattooed on you? And I'm like, oh, you know, it's just like my thing and get to talk about it and have a good time and hear their story and not promising conversions by the end of it and not promising like the best conversations. But you know what? Hopefully there's like some sort of inspiration from that conversation for them. But again, like and I'm not endorsing people to go out and get sleeves and stuff, but that's just my fun time, you know? <laughs> it's just my thing so but so by the time you're 50 you might be running out of real estate you might have to start getting know. neck tats like, and uh, that kind of stuff <laughs> i mean uh, you see post malone and jelly roll and um yeah piece of aaron carter like just all over the brian head welch all over the face dude and i'm like mm -hmm. let's do it have some teardrops under my eye let's go i'm trying to remember who it was there were some dudes that got tats like under their eyelids <laughs> like on the underside of it i was trying to try um, to remember who that i feel like it was a band that did that i can't remember that seems that was. very painful i've seen people get <clears throat> it under incredibly their lip painful. and i'm like wow yeah, yeah like no yeah I'm right good. there that's in, that's got to be crazy that's got to be crazy painful <laughs> that um, i don't want that yeah no i'm feel i feel you man uh but yeah so you got <laughs> um one of the things that you that you mentioned earlier, which I, th I think is so cool, kind of through your through your process, right, through your process of growing up, walking with Jesus and kind of what you alluded to just now of him, you know, placing this call on your life from a young age and and showing you things that maybe needed to change and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, walking with God throughout this um, you know, even dealing with the struggles and when you're starting to go to these ministry events and you're dealing with the anxiety and you're dealing with these different things, um, you know, it's just it's just so cool. Because if, when we look at scripture and we look at the people that God chose in the Bible, you know, like people that God often chose were the people that wouldn't have been everybody else's first choice. And I'm so grateful for that because I'm not that guy. <laughs> and it's just so cool. Like we look at David, you know, David was, you know, he wasn't even in the conversation when Samuel came and he was looking for the king, like he wasn't even called in from the field. They just left him out there and acted like there were only six sons instead of uh, seven sons instead of eight. And so he's le he's left out there and, you know, Gideon and, and Paul with all of his <laughs> stuff of coming into the kingdom. And then it's like, well, we don't want to be around this guy. He was just killing Christians. What if he's trying to trick us? And like the stigmas that just get attached, um, to people for different reasons but it's just so cool because god is so good that he's not he's not scandalized by any of that stuff that scandalizes other people there, there's something that goes on um in the world uh today trevor a lot um it's always gone on we see it in the time of jesus in the bible too but um something that, that i think goes on a lot today um i call it i just call it this i just call it religious insecurity and it's like this thing where you know, you want to you have to like people sometimes feel this need to distance themselves from somebody who's struggling or who distance themselves from somebody who's got some kind of a stigma. We see it in really explosive ways today with like cancel culture and all that kind of stuff. Right. It's like like, oh, we're going to pull our endorsements because this person did this or we're going to do that. And it happens in the in the body of Christ, too. I've seen it happen where people distance themselves from a brother or a sister because they got stuck in some kind of a sin issue or something like that. And it's like this insecurity that comes where I don't want to be stigmatized by what they're carrying, or I don't want to have to get caught up in the thing that they're going through. And it's so interesting because God never does that with us. Jesus never did that with people. I mean, Jesus was so comfortable going to the homes of people that the religious leaders thought he was nuts for going to hang out with these people. They thought he was a sinner because he was hanging out with sinners and, and, yeah. and all of that. And when it comes to our calling and the, like God, God calls us in spite of all of our challenges and insecurities and issues and struggles and, and all of that. And he's just so good. And he's, he's, he's so faithful. And I, I, I love, you know, I just, I love this conversation, man. I love the fact you mentioned you're, uh, you're only 25 years old. Um, yeah, yeah. and you know, I, I just feel like, um, God's been, God's been just so, so good and so faithful to 
bring you through the journey that he's brought you through and to have you in this place now where a lot of it is, I'm sure because of the struggles that you've had, that you're in this place now where you've got such a passion for this and you're able to speak into the lives of people and you're able to encourage others and you're able to shed light into dark areas that other people might not have the heart for, might not even just know how to do it or whatever, but because you've, you've lived life and you've had experiences and you've had struggles and challenges and you've been real and honest about those challenges, it's kind of given you this authority where you're able to stand with people that are walking through things that are similar or they're walking through some other kind of a struggle and to stand with them and say, you know what, like you're struggling with something, but you're, you're my brother. You're struggling with something, but you're my sister and I'm going to stand with you and we're going to walk through this uh, together. And I think that that's such a beautiful thing. And I, I'm just um, I, I feel like there's a question here somewhere, Trevor, forgive me. Uh, but there's how important, man, in, in your estimation and from your experience, how important has the community aspect been in your life um, for some of the struggles that you've had? And then also just um, in working with people, like how important is it for us to be connected with others, to be in community, to walk together, to be able to be open and honest about the, the struggles and the things that we are dealing with um, when it comes to, you know, just experiencing freedom and kind of the, the journey of recovery. How important is that, that we, um, I feel like it's almost a dumb question because it's everything. I feel like it's everything. I feel like it's <laughs> yeah. so important, but I, I'm just asking it this way because I want to hear your thoughts yeah. on it. So yeah, just and the idea of community. It's not a dumb question. And <clears throat> first off, like every single one of my mentors always like, How's your community? How's your community? How's your community? Mm -hmm. Do you have community? Are people holding you accountable? Um, and I can answer the question right there. Like if it's people that I look up to and trust for all of the things like, and they're telling me or asking how community, how's community, how's community every single time I talk to them, it's an important thing. And it's something that I actively pursue It's like, you need community around you. You need people you can trust. And just to touch on a touch on not cut. That's weird. Uh, touch on cancel culture <laughs> within the church. Like a lot of the things that people get canceled for within the church, like with me struggling with this, like I can relate with it. Um, spoken or unspoken. Like I get it. Like I've yeah. fought the mental yeah. battles in my head. Um, and when you start opening up about things that are cancelable within your life, biblically mm. like when you shine light on your sin yeah it's gonna start to fade away and mm -hmm. it gets lighter and lighter and it gets darker in your mind or like the darkness starts to flee from your mind whether it's mm. sin or temptation the lust of things and this is me speaking to myself too like when you start to bring these things out and you start to realize that you're not and that other people are like going through these it starts to get a lot lighter and the weight starts to get mm. a whole lot easier on you because you're not carrying it alone. And that comes with community and don't rely solely on community, rely solely wow. on like your relationship with God and have conversations. And when you forget to pray or you forget to read one day, don't beat yourself up about it. Just kick back and start where you are. Um, it's so important and it's the most important have people that are going to hold you accountable. Let them love you. When you fall, get back up. Allow people to pour into your life. Don't get offended when they come and like ask you the hard questions. I've been asked hard questions in the past 24 hours that I was like instantly just wanted to hang up the phone. But you know what? Mm. Let yeah, those man. people talk to you because a lot of times that thing that you do not want to talk about is the thing you need to talk about. So whether it's in wow. business, personal life, your marriage, your um, dating life, whatever it is, don't find your identity in things that you struggle with. Find your identity in Christ and what who he says mm. you are. And if you're listening to this and you're not a believer and maybe you've heard of me through like musical affiliations or business or whatever, like this is what I'm actively going through. And I get asked my opinion for some reason on a lot of things and for advice. This is all I got to say because it's actively what I'm going through. It's actively wow. what I'm pursuing. And a lot of times we live in this narrative of like, I've got to get through this before I can open up about it. And for certain things that does make sense for me, like guys don't want to talk about vulnerability. So there's a lack thereof for people to hear from, like, especially within men. 
Um, they don't talk about the emotional things in life. They don't talk about the anxiety and the depression they struggle with. And that's mm. why I forgot what the statistic is, but like one of the number one causes of suicide is within men. They don't talk about it. I was told yesterday of a close friend who's battling with that. Um, men had written out a letter and everything and didn't follow through with it, luckily. And um, sometimes it's the people closest to home. And it, it never gets easier to hear because I've had like mentors that have died by suicide and mm. um, kind of going into like the whole yeah. cancel culture and like within your friend groups, when you start to like, Oh, that person's a little too toxic for me. Like there are times when people are going through things and you need to take a break, but even the strongest people can be struggling with suicidal ideation and wanting to take their life. And my encouragement, my thoughts, my prayers, like, if someone's struggling heavily and they talk to you about suicidal ideation, suicide, depression, if they're talking about it, it's probably not attention seeking. It's right. something that needs to be addressed. And right. if it's not you to walk through them, uh, through it with them, be open to listen and try to steer them in the right direction. Cause you don't want to get that phone call the next day that they're no longer here with us. I promise you that. And yeah, it happens all too often. I mean, it's like every time you turn on the news or um, even read a newspaper, I think it was two years ago in my tiny town of Social Circle, within I'd never heard of a suicide taking place at our high school here. And uh, within two weeks to like back to back. Wow. And I was on a tour when that happened. I'm like, man, like out here traveling the country and five minutes from my house people are struggling so you never know and i don't want to end the episode on like a dark note or anything <laughs> but like these are real things that real people are struggling with yeah all the way back into like elementary school nowadays um yeah people are at war for what their identity is for what their hope is for why they are on this earth and I don't have all the answers, but for me, like you have to realize that there's a reason for you to live. There's always a reason to choose to live. And that's all I can say, like choose to live. And if you see someone that's struggling to make that decision, even if they're not like upfront about it, don't be afraid to ask the hard questions. Cause a lot of times they're ready for someone to ask them and they're praying for someone to ask about it. And if they say no and they get defensive about it, like, okay, I just, well, I love you. And I want you to know that I'm here for you no matter what. Wow. Yeah, man. No, that's it's it's so good. And I'm really glad that you went there. Um, and, and I think that you mentioned like how young it's getting. I think suicide is one of, if not the leading cause of death for kids in that it, the like maybe 10 to 12. It's like the, that younger age group. It's um the statistics of suicide um, in that age group, that kind of adolescent, uh, preteen, young teen age, it's it's skyrocketed, man. It's skyrocketing um, it's so... across the board also. Like, yeah. if you think about, think about this, the number one cause of death amongst like people who have survived the war, veterans like over the yeah. age of 40 or something like that is suicide. So think it's yep. getting younger and it's also getting older. Um, I've had relatives that I never met that were well on into their old age that have died that way. And mm -hmm. it's, it's unfortunately just becoming more and more common. And I think these are conversations that we need to have. Yep. Especially amongst like our peers and our brothers, our sisters out there that are struggling heavily because I've, I've had those thoughts and, having community around you is huge, especially yes. like if you've gone through losing someone to that, um, it's all that much more apparent to like, think about like, man, like what if they were right? And if you're having those thoughts, like that's an attack, get help. Um, reach yes. out to like death to life.com death, the number two life.com heart support beneath the skin, uh, nine, eight, eight, even on non-working phones, you can call and get help. 
mm. reach out. Like somebody out there wants to talk to you. There's teen hope lines. There's um, even like uh, for LGBTQ matters, like no matter what you're struggling with, somebody out there wants to talk. And I'm not yes. here to get into like what your struggle is. There's resources for everybody out there. Somebody out there wants to speak with you. Death to Life offers all of the above. Yeah. So does Heart Support. Somebody wants to speak with you right now. And if you're in that spot in your head where you're like, man, I don't, I don't see a point in waking up tomorrow. Just know like somebody out there really, really would love to have a conversation with you. And nobody wants to like, and don't take this the wrong way. Nobody wants to go to your memorial service next week. They want to talk to you next week. Mm. They want you to be happy and thriving. And sometimes that's an ongoing battle, but it's so worth it. And there's always a reason to choose to live. Amen. And, uh, you know, th through this podcast, I've, I've had the opportunity to have several conversations, um, particularly with uh, people who work um, in the veteran community, veterans and first, first responders, because the, the rate of you and you mentioned this, the, the rate of uh, suicide among veterans and first responders is just astronomical. And uh, one of one of my friends who's uh, been on the podcast a, a few times, uh, Dr. Joseph Capps, one of the things that he says um, is, you know, he, I think he said it every time he's been on that uh, people are literally dying to talk to you. And we ultimately we never the reality is, is that we don't we don't always know. Very often we don't know what somebody's going through. And we've both had experiences in our lives. And so many people are the same way that you're dealing with all kinds of stuff, some kind of trauma or just some kind of mental struggle or, or whatever. And nobody knows it because on the surface, you kind of put on a facade, you put on a front, uh, you know, I mean, I'm pretty sure you probably you went out back and and we're puking in the in the bushes, like not, you know, doing it in front of everybody. Right. Like we're, we try to we, <laughs> it's it's our human nature to, to hide these things because we want everything to look good. I mean, now, you know, everything on Instagram and everything on, on, on social media, I'm putting my life out there. I'm showing you all the good stuff so that you think that everything about me is good and in order and healthy. But the reality is we don't know. We don't know who's, you know, getting beat up when they get home from school. We don't know, you know, we don't always know, you know, how the, the kid who's being bullied at school is actually internalizing that that struggle and that trauma that they're going through or, you know, how that person is struggling with their marriage and they're bringing that to work with them and getting chewed out by their boss. And we don't we just don't we don't always know about the internal struggle that's going on and what somebody's carrying. And uh, we're getting to the um, end of our time here. So maybe just the final question here, like what are some things or how do you feel like that just in general, like we can kind of in daily life become better at being a resource for people who are struggling. And, and I don't just mean like, you know, let me show, let me give you resources. I just mean, how can we be more, be more human and be more compassionate and just kind of get involved in the lives of people, whether we know that something's going on in their life or not, because again, so often we don't know. And I feel like with people that we know that we are in relationship with, and with people that we don't have relationship with that maybe we get five minutes with them standing in line at the coffee shop or whatever it is. But there's all different interactions that we have with people on a daily basis. And what are some things that you think that we could just do to be more mindful or maybe some mindset adjustment that we could just carry with us through life that we could be more of a source of maybe hope or, you know, strength for, for people that are just dealing with stuff that we might not even know about and this is going to sound like super too simple and such but it's I love not. simple like, be kind <laughs> love people yeah. be genuine um one of the people that i've been following on or two people that i've been following on social media are uh chris kale from five finger death punch and uh um, kobe shaddix <laughs> from papa roach and they post like their daily gratitudes every day and uh those aren't wow. christian bands by any means but like Sure. They influence me as people that express gratitude and understand the value of it. Let's say you're in line at Walmart or going through the line at Chick-fil-A because it's the Lord's chicken. Can I get an amen? And um, <laughs> they're having a bad day. Amen, 
like they have a terrible boss and when they get home they don't get to turn it off because their parents are abusive or their spouse is abusive um the kid at school that you run into and maybe they're like uh doing something super delinquent um if that's a word if not trademark um throwing (laughs) eggs at your house like you don't know what they're going through at home you don't know why they're outwardly expressing this anger my brother um was watching a show last night called uh, Friday Night Lights. And one of the scenes is Michael B. Jordan um, coming home to his mom's apartment and his dad has been in jail and he comes in and his dad's sitting there and he's like, what's he doing here? And he's like, oh, he's here for dinner. And he's like, what is that? And his suitcase is on the um, couch. And he's like, what is that? Mm. And he's like, it's my suitcase. And basically he's moving back in. And they have this scene when he wakes up in the morning, his dad's like, uh, talking to his mom and such why is he still here type thing and he like has that moment where he stands up to his dad and his dad's like telling him like uh you're not a man this that and he's like well a real Mm. man doesn't walk out on his family and just think about the kids that are playing high school ball and they're acting out or their coach acting out at school and at home you don't know what they're going through Uh, a parent hasn't been there and they just decide to walk back in their life and like nothing happened they're getting abused (sighs) at home their parents an alcoholic um their dad is suicidal um taking it out on them abusing drugs Mm. you don't know what somebody's going through you don't know what you don't know if they can escape it think about a 13 year old right now that has twitter and facebook blowing up their phone we're all addicted to social media and they're getting Mm -hmm. bullied on at home by their parents they're getting bullied by their uh, people at school they're getting bullied at school their teachers aren't listening to them they're failing all their classes and they're like i'm just a mistake nobody gives a rip about me Think about those people. And when you start to think about that, and then you start to write down the things that you're grateful for in your life, like, man, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that God's given me the position to be this kind of person. I'm so glad that God's given me this trait. And it's like, man, there's so much, so many things to be grateful for, but somebody out there hasn't realized that yet. Be Hmm. grateful that God's put you on this planet. Be grateful that you're not experiencing X, Y, and Z. Know that somebody else out there is experiencing not just X, Y, or Z, but A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way through Z. Somebody out there is going through it. And not that anyone's issues are bigger than anyone else's, but listen here, like, you don't know what they're going through. It's so easy to be um, going through the line at the checkout and have your AirPods in and not, show a smile and be gracious to the person that's bagging your groceries. It's so easy to not take your cart to the little cart thing in the um, parking lot at the grocery store. Practice gratitude, show people love. Even if you're a blatant Christian and you walk up into someone wearing a black craft shirt or some sort of pentagram, it's so easy to like, ugh, right. Why? You don't know what they're going through. You don't know why they believe that. You don't know why they're running the quite opposite way as you. And I'm not judging the people mm-hmm. that are because, hey, we've all got the things we struggle with and nobody's too far gone. One of the tattoos that I just recently got says it's never too late. And it comes from a song by a band called Three Days Grace. And it's a suicide prevention yeah. anthem. And it's like, I've gone through things in my life where I'm like, man, it's probably too late. And it's not, it's never too late. And that's not a Christian song either. Like, oh, this dude listens to so much secular music. He's going to hell. Like, shut up. <laughs> it's a good song. Um, people are out there struggling and they're looking for hope. And yes, you you might be that last bit of hope they need to decide to like make that decision, that brave decision to choose to live. And I say the term choose to live a lot because yeah. it is a choice that people make. And sometimes when people die by suicide, like there was an impulse and there wasn't like room for a choice. But if you're listening to this right now, I want you to know that there is a choice and I want you to make that choice to choose to live. And there's so many resources out there. One of the things that we've put out there um, within the Trevor talks world is called choose to live, which we pulled in. It's not a Christian event. There's cursing throughout it. Um, There's people who are universalists, atheists, Christians, we're all coming together because if you're not having conversations that with people that don't believe the same way as you do, what are you doing? So yeah. know that there's someone out there that wants to speak with you, that they love you, and that God has a purpose for your life. I genuinely believe that. And if you don't believe that yet, I just know that's me giving 
the most hope and encouragement that I can and all that I know how to give is that hope. And um, it's just an outward expression of what God's doing in my life. And I pray that he continues to do that in my life and that it's able to encourage you to do the same in yours. Mm. Man, thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing. I think that's a beautiful way um, to end this episode. And I love how I love the simplicity of that because I, I love the I love the fact that the the little things that we do in daily life really do matter. Like that little eight second conversation that you're willing to have with the cashier at that at that at that uh, supermarket checkout because they've you know had their line backed up and everybody's been cussing them out or you know whatever. And and I've been there, man, where I can so easily just be so focused on what I have to do. And like how I'm this person's making me late to the thing I got to get to and, you know, just kind of getting that tunnel vision. But, you know what? I mean, you just never know the kind of difference you can make in somebody's life, the kind of value you can add to somebody's day by simply taking a few seconds to just um, love on somebody, whatever that looks like. I mean, in some cases, it can be as simple as a smile. In some cases, it's a hug. In some cases, it's just sharing something. You know, I, I think it was just um, on the last podcast I did, and uh, and and I, I know we got to wrap this up, but I, um, I just I told this story about this guy who walked up to this woman sitting on a bench in a park, didn't know her, but just felt like the Lord laid on his heart, go and tell this woman that I think she's amazing. Simplest word anybody's ever given to another human being. He walked up to this woman. This would have been true for anybody. He didn't even have to hear this from God to for it to have been true. He could walk up to anybody. He just said, hey, I just saw you sitting there and I felt like God told me to tell you that he thinks you are amazing. And he went about his day and that woman ended up in the church that that guy went to. And um, from that day forward, within two years, he didn't know that woman was she was um, living a life of prostitution. She was homeless. She was drug addicted. All this stuff was going on in her life in a two year period. From that moment on, that was the catalyst. She owned her own home. She had a regular job, not doing, you know, not in sex work. She was in church. Her life. She was saved. She was free from drugs. All of it, man. And it started with such a simple word where someone was willing to take four seconds out of their day to just listen to that nudge of the Holy Spirit and just to tell somebody that they're amazing in the eyes of God. And it could be so simple and we just never know. And so I love that you did that. I love that it was a, a simple response because that means that it's possible for all of us to walk this out and to live our lives in a way where we're just open and surrendered to the Lord to enough to the point where we're willing to to share, to talk, to hug, to, you know, whatever it might be that he's leading us to do. And so I appreciate that so much, man. And just before we wrap this up, if you would um, just share a couple of things uh, where people can go to check out your podcast, because it's such an awesome resource uh, where people can go to check out. Um, yeah, just any other content that you put out there that you'd like to point people to. And then if you would, you mentioned it earlier, but maybe just remind us of, uh, of a few of those places that people can go for anybody out there who is struggling with uh, maybe suicidal thoughts or who just needs somebody to talk to. Uh, if you would just share about some of those resources again, that would be amazing. Of course. And um, all of the Trevor Talks uh, stuff can be found at trevortalks.co. Um, check it out on YouTube, every podcast platform, all the links, the socials and everything are on there. So I don't want to spend too much time on that. That's secondary. The first thing is uh, deathtolife.com, which is death, the number two life.com heartsupport.com, beneath the skin, um, I believe beneath the skin.org, um, to write love on her arms. Uh, there's yeah. so many resources out there, yeah. the suicide text mm -hmm. line. So many people out there want to speak with you. Yes. And like, even with you talking about the prostitute, like one of the 180 stories that keeps popping up on my news feed is Joshua Broom, who's a, now a pastor who was at one time mm. one of the highest paid porn stars of, uh, I don't know what it would be his time, uh, one of the most mm -hmm. notable. And now he's a pastor with a loving family and kids and is able <laughs> to tell his story of like coming out of that dark place of being suicidal and depressed wow. and such. So like if if anybody can proclaim like from a standpoint of like, hey, I was living like very different lifestyle and God was able to redeem me from that. Joshua Broom uh, has an amazing testimony and, you know, 
there's just so many people out there that are struggling with suicidal ideation, depression, anxiety, of uh, feeling worthless, feeling alone, feeling as if they can never be loved. And that's just all a lie from the pit of hell. So just remember, yes. like, yes, you were loved. Someone out there wants to talk to you. Make yes. a phone call. Shoot somebody a text if you know they struggle. Um, shoot them a text. Tell them you love them. Uh, smile at the person at the supermarket. Ask them how their day is going. Treat them like a human. If you see a homeless person and start shrugging or saying, no, I'm thanks, before they can even get a word out, which is a very common thing to do right now, <clears> you don't have to give them money. Give them some hope. And uh, if they still want money after that, you did your job. You gave them some hope. And if you have some change, uh, give it to them. It's not on you what they do with it. It's the fact that you're willing to help them out. Um, just love people. Be a kind person. Chase Jesus. And uh, hmm. don't forget to listen to Duke's podcast next week. <laughs> I'd love it, but you know, whatever, man. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you're, wh whoever you are, whatever you're going through, um, whatever your struggle is, there's always hope. Um, we love you. And, uh, man, thank you guys so much for being here, for taking the time to check out this episode. It really means the world to me. Uh, I pray that this content blessed you as much, um, as, uh, this conversation with Trevor blessed me. Um, I hope you're as encouraged as I am. And uh, if you know someone who maybe needs to hear uh, some of this, that maybe is dealing with something, struggling with something, share this episode with somebody that you think needs to hear it. Um, or uh, better yet, share some of those resources that Trevor talked about. Send a text. I love that you just said that, man. Send a text. Tell someone you love them. It's, you know, just being human and being close with people and living living in that community creating that community it's so key uh trevor i appreciate you man for being here for all of your time and i appreciate you so much for the work that you do this work that is so needed uh the way that you give people permission to be authentic to be themselves to open up it's so important the conversations that you're having um, in your daily life are so important and um, opening up more of this conversation so that that stigma continues to be reduced so that we can uh, walk in freedom and uh, and experience life together. So I appreciate you, man, so much. Thanks again so much for being here. Dude, thank you for having me. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Bless you guys. And uh, hope to see you on a future episode.